2: Temperature rising, vision, blurring, rage. taking
1: over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get
2: the
3: popcorn ready. It's going to be a show.
1: And Ron Wolfley.
3: It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury. What the big voice guy just say, temperature rising, 118. That was today's high temp. A new record for the day, Ron Wolfley. As you sit there in your palatial studio in the AC. So that was the record set here at home. We're not going to talk about the record set on the road. What I am going to say is less than 100 would be the number of days until the Cardinals' regular season opener at Tennessee, week number one, Got our pace ourselves. Do not get into a three-point stance just yet. But, man, are we getting closer and closer to, you know what, training camp, which begets the preseason games, and all of a sudden you're in the regular season and you turn on NFL Network. And just this past week you hear heard Nate Burleson say that if everything goes to plan with Julio Jones, the Tennessee Titans will have, quote, one of the greatest offenses of all time. Oh, my
0: goodness, Wally. I'm telling you right now, I tend to believe that. I really do. And you know why? because of the play-action pass. You can hammer the ball the way the Tennessee Titans will be able to hammer the ball with Derrick Henry in between the tackles. They love to go heavy personnel as well. They'll go 13 personnel. They'll go ahead and go 22-pair personnel. They'll put two tight ends in there, Paulie, two backs, and they'll hammer the ball, and yet they love to throw the ball over the middle of the field with Ryan Tannehill, and that is Julio Jones time so boom
3: out of the gates we're already getting into week one we're just underway here on the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert we are santan ford paul calvisi ron wolfley the original thursday night football so the rookies are gonna have to get ready for ryan tannahill derrick henry a.j brown and now julio jones N- not just Zavin Collins, but our special guest tonight. How about Victor Demukeji gonna I join us. Victor
0: Demukeji. First of all, Debu the best name you could have you could have maybe on the back. It just sounds like a football name, does it not? I'm
3: hoping team's Paul. Here's our game plan though, Wolf. As fun as it is to say Demukeji. Yes. Um, maybe we'll earn the right to call him Vic by the end of the show. Maybe just maybe Warren the right, because those who know him best, uh, they're afforded the ability. Just call him Vic.
0: I'm calling him Cage. I mean, that's
3: Cage. There What's you up go. Cage? Always doing the opposite. Wolf. Well, you Always. know, Paulie, I mean, Always honestly, the
0: right now, this guy, yeah. it's, its you can't, I mean, Vic, it's his first name. I get it. All right. You're shortening Victor to Vic. I understand that, Paul. But it, we're talking about locker room rules here. And that means, you know what, Cage. What's up, Cage?
3: We're talking about a guy who graduated from Duke with a degree in evolutionary anthropology. <laughs> so,
0: What are you trying to say, Paul? So, I mean, this guy, he's well, 6'2", 265, Paulie. I really don't care what he went to school for. All right, well, Just tell me he's not a finance major.
3: Yeah, but we're not playing ball here. We're having a conversation, so try and keep up. A couple of ham and eggers like us. We could look bad pretty quickly, so, okay, just (laughs) what I'm saying is, okay, so, you know, the IQ difference will be stark, and uh, that'll be coming up, but speaking of rookies on defense, did you catch Zayvon Collins meeting the media Um, this past week?
0: As a matter of fact, I did, Paulie, yeah, so your thoughts on this?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting because in some ways, he's the .1% of the world, right? He's 6'5", he's 260, he can run, he can play middle linebacker, he's going to come in as a rookie, and he's going to start. And then he's just like everyone else when he can't find a house. In this red-hot real estate market, the young man says the hardest thing he's had to do so far in his life is try and find a house in the Phoenix metro area in this housing market.
0: Yes. So I can only imagine, Paulie.
3: For the real estate.
0: Yeah, you know what? Honestly, right now, I mean, think about it. You're, you're looking for a house. You're a rookie, Paul. I, you know, I Now, listen, he's... <laughs> he's paid very well would you say he's paid well paul i would say that he's paid very well well
3: as people pointed out on twitter uh the eight million dollar signing bonus should probably go a long way towards (laughs) purchasing said house but it is a seller's market he might want to rent for a year um so you know there's pressure wolf there's pressure to find the house and then we're gonna hear from zayman collins here there's pressure to perform Immediately,
0: what you have to do, Paulie, is you have to read Forbes a little bit more. Okay, Forbes magazine. I'm telling oh, you, Paulie, no. they're saying oh, they're no. saying that the Phoenix market is going to lead the country over the next five years. Now, again, who knows, Paulie, if that's the case? But if if I am Zaven Collins, I'm buying a home, Paul. I'm going to buy a home, and I'm going to sit on it.
3: OK, when we're starting to take financial advice from Ron Wolfley, it's officially time to hear from Zavin Collins himself. When I say there's pressure, we're talking about the football end right now, Zaven.
1: I love pressure. Um, that's a lot of pressure. I love it. It's a good thing. It means people expect a lot out of you with, you know, being a high draft pick. People expect that, you know, it comes with it. You can't be a high draft pick and then not do anything, you know. So um, that's something that's that I look forward to. Man, I, I, Paulie,
0: I hope he really means that, honestly, right now. And there's no reason to believe that Savin Collins does not. I hope he embraces that, because that's exactly what he's got to do, Pauly. You've got to expect, you've got to embrace the pressure, right? Tony La Russa was famous for saying this, and it's one of the most salient things I think I've heard in in the last decade. He was talking about how you've got to make pressure your friend. You have to embrace it. And the guys that are good in pressure-packed situations, for whatever reason, don't allow the outside influences, so to speak, to impact how they play. They embrace the pressure and make it their friend, and I think that's exactly what Zayvon Collins has got to do.
3: And look, he's not just a rookie. He's not just a starter from day one. He's calling the defense. I mean, he's got the green dot. He's responsible for lining guys up. Now, Vance Joseph did say he's going to remove some of the leadership responsibilities that typically could go with playing Mike Linebacker. He's outsourcing those to J.J. Watt and Buda Baker and those kind of guys. But, you know, there's a lot, obviously, to process. Thank goodness for his sake, there is a preseason. But when it comes to regular season, guess what? That's going to be unlike anything he's ever played. That brand of ball, and he talked about that this week.
1: You haven't really seen the true speed of the game yet. You haven't really seen, you know, what guys do, how guys are, because it's been mostly a, a lower tempo. Trying to understand how all these moving parts work and how they benefit us, you know, situationally. As a Mike, knowing that stuff is very important to give, you know, alerts, give a heads up, tell guys what we're thinking right here, especially when I get the call in on the, on the helmet. So um, that's been kind of the curveball for me is learning that stuff, but it's something that I'm, I'm getting a grasp on. Paulie,
0: this is going to be a tough go. I'm just saying right now, you know last year how I was talking about Isaiah Simmons and the fact that you just can't move him all over the field. You just can't do that. I wanted to see the Arizona Cardinals slowly move Isaiah Simmons into the weak side inside linebacker position and let him actually get his footing underneath him. And I will not come off that, Paul. I still believe this is a situation where Zayvon Collins is going to get roughed up. He's going to. But what I love about this is Zayvon Collins, I think, learns. He learns from what I'm told. He learns quickly. He's got a great brain, and he actually learns from doing. And then, Paul, once you make a mistake, it's one of the best lessons you could possibly learn out out on a football field. It is. You don't forget it very soon. After you get beat, and suddenly it's it's a mark on you, and you sit there and watch it on film, and everyone in the room is watching you make a mistake that costs the team. Now it might only be a first down that it costs the team; might might be a touchdown, whatever it is. But Paulie, this is this is a situation where once again he's going to get roughed up. It's just how quickly he's going to be able to assimilate.
3: And he admitted to the media he's already messed it up in rookie minicamp. Yeah. And in mandatory minicamp, he's messed up entire defensive calls and they've had to stop the drill and go, you know, in seven on seven. And so that's going to be part of the process. There, there's no doubt about that. But you know what? When Buddha Baker says on his own, unprompted out of nowhere that the young guy at linebacker knows football that gives you hope when a Buda Baker brings that up that they can tell already okay he's got a chance here Vance Joseph was asked about playing the two young guys Isaiah Simmons limited action a year ago no preseason alongside the rookie Zayvon Collins here's the Cardinals defensive coordinator
4: I think as a coach you have to understand it's going to be some bad downs but also on the flip side it's going to be plays that those two guys can make that other guys can't make it's our job as a staff mine especially to put players first and scheme second you know, and to let those guys unlock those bodies and just play,
0: man, I love that, Paul, I really do players' first scheme second, right it's Paul, never forget that it's it's about the players, it's never about the play, I should say nay i I don't wanna I don't wanna reduce play calling to some some ridiculous level. I don't want to do that, Paulie, but it it's about the player and players making plays. You got to let players go out there and play fast and make plays and I really think that is what Vance Joseph is going to do this year with these two inside guys. These guys that are learning, these guys that have huge upside, Paulie. Huge upside. I these guys that I think are going to make a lot of plays. Uh, Billy Davis. I love the fact Billy Davis was talking about deflected passes, right? Paulie <laughs> passes defensed, and what he expects Zaven Collins at six five and Isaiah Simmons at six four to be able to get their hands on a lot of balls thrown over the middle. This is going to be really interesting to watch early on in the season.
3: How many times have you brought up Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman? Yes. So many times already, Wolf, that I think it's a drinking game over the frat houses Just at ASU. Okay, that's it, how often you've brought it up. Stop and Vance it. Joseph brought it up on his own because he was on the Niners staff when Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman... Got their start together as two young guys, especially Patrick Willis starting right away as a rookie. And what did he do? He simplified it so they didn't have to think and they could play fast. And that goes for Isaiah Simmons as well. In fact, Isaiah Simmons has been asked recently here about his comfort level in Vance Joseph's D.
1: I would say I've, I've made very large strides
4: with my comfort, just being able to learn the system more. And um, this off season, i really focused in on, you know, tuning into the fine details of multiple positions. Um, you know, I've taken it upon myself not to only learn my position, but the people around me, just so I can not only be another coach on the field and help people out, but as well as it'll help me play
1: faster, just knowing where everybody else is going to be. Oh, that's awesome, man.
0: ding, 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 ding. We've got a winner right there, Paulie, with Isaiah Simmons. And, oh, by the way, he's actually going to have a full training camp and maybe even a preseason. Can you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine? We're sitting around talking last year about Isaiah Simmons and how they were going to move him around. And, man, I just wanted to see him play weak side inside linebacker. And then you don't get preseason games to go out there and play. That What a nightmare scenario that was for a young inside linebacker. Thank goodness, Zayvon Collins is going to have a preseason.
3: And what did we learn recently about Isaiah Simmons from Bill Davis, the inside linebackers coach? That well, not only was he not just playing weak side inside linebacker, he was being coached up at six different positions a year ago. Think about that. Think about Isaiah Simmons. They used him in six different positions because there was a Devondre Campbell, who at the time was a better option at least at the start of the season. So. To what degree are they going to streamline his job responsibilities and he can excel accordingly? We'll see about that. What we do know is Victor Dimukeji is next, the Cardinals' six-round pick. The comp is Marcus Golden. We'll see what he thinks about that next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford.
5: Another guy that, um, adding a, a big, thick, strong outside linebacker, I was excited about. He started every single game he played in college. I think it was 46, 47 straight games. And Charlie Bowen and I, Quentin Harris and I, we, we went to the pro day. The coaches start talking about this guy, and, you know, they just light up. The kid's all business. They say he's the alpha of the group. They actually use the word scary to describe him. So um, <laughs> you know, no one messes with the guy. So you get that alpha personality with a Duke degree. It's kind of rare.
3: Man, what a great scouting report from Drew Grigson a few weeks ago. In fact, right after the draft here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. That's the Cardinals director of player personnel talking about the Cardinals' 6th round pick out of Duke. A starter as a true freshman, Wolf, started all 49 games he played in during his four-year career, finished second career, most sacks all time in Duke history, had a three-and-a-half sack game against Boston College last year, a semi-finalist for the Ronnie Lott Impact Trophy given to the college uh-huh. defensive player who makes the biggest impact for his team on and off the field. You can appreciate that, Wolf, is someone who got blowed up by Ronnie Lott <laughs> more than once. <laughs> and I covered Ronnie Lott, so I have the ultimate respect on appreciate that one. Appreciate that, Paul. <laughs> it is all about you, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, and is that is our intro for Victor Demukeju, who joins us on the Big Red Rage. Victor, how we doing?
4: I'm doing well. How y'all doing?
0: Uh, doing great, Victor. Really, really appreciate you joining us right now. Talk a little bit about football. Talk a little ball. What does football mean to you, Victor?
4: Uh, football means a lot to me. Um, I started playing around the eighth grade um didn't really know a lot about the sport when I moved from Nigeria, but um, once I started playing, you know, I fell in love with the game. um you know, I have passion for the game, and um, you know it means a lot to me right now. I'm just trying to play as long as possible. You moved from Nigeria with your family
3: when you were eight
4: um actually, it was kind of like a roller coaster, so um, I was born in Nigeria, I moved to North Carolina with my family around the age of three. Went back to Nigeria around the age of five. And then me and my family moved to Baltimore around the age of eight.
0: So, so Victor, is there any football in Nigeria? Does anyone play football, American football, in Nigeria?
4: <laughs> um, when I was there, no. You know, I played soccer when I was younger. But I didn't know anything about football until I got here.
3: You know, there's this stat. I, I just got to get to this. Because when you were drafted, we were talking about the Cardinals draft class. And this stood out you bench press 225 pounds 32 times as a high school junior I mean that, that's got to be a typo
4: is, is that correct Victor? Yes sir yeah I was actually I actually did more in high school than I did um about friday i was I was pretty strong coming out of high school
0: so Victor tell wow. us how did you get to Duke
4: um yeah so my freshman year I went to Newtown high School which is a um small p- um, public school in Baltimore County. Um, And then, like, um, um, Boys Latin High School in um, Baltimore reached out to me, which is a private school, um, a prestigious private school known for their academics. Um, So I spent three years there. Once I transferred there, you know, I had schools like Harvard, Duke, Notre Dame, like all the big schools and also like some of the football schools in the ACC and Big Ten reached out to me. So um, that's really um, how I ended up at Duke. Um, You know, just the academic piece from my high school kind of helped me um, get into Duke. We're we're just a couple of ham and eggers here, Victor. All right. So so when you graduate
3: with a degree in evolutionary anthropology, how demanding was that?
4: Oh man, it was tough. Um, my freshman year, I had to I had to learn quick because trying to balance um you know academics with football, starting as a true freshman. Um, you know it was definitely tough my freshman year. But um as time went on, you know I was able to like play faster, um learn how to take care of my time wisely, and um just know how to balance everything.
0: So Victor, why did you choose Duke personally?
4: Um, you know, after talking to my family, my mom and dad, you know, they mean a lot to me and um, you know, they, they kinda of advised me to go there. And also, you know, I felt like Duke was the best place for me. Um I, I liked the defensive scheme and um they kinda of offered the best of both worlds when it comes to academics and football um of course football don't last forever so i felt like duke was the best place for me um not only thinking about my my nfl career but also like after football if i chose to go back to school i felt like i would want that degree to do whatever i want to do after playing football
0: so what was it about the defensive scheme that you like so much victor
4: um you know just um talking to coach albert my defensive line coach um, you know, I just liked how I fit into the defense. You know, we were at a style defense, you know, get off the ball, you know, get in your face type like defense, single cap defense. And um, you know, I kinda liked how I fit in that system and um, you know, they had a the good plan for me coming in, so I felt like that was the best place for me. Let's talk about why the Cardinals
3: chose Victor DiMuchegi. And let's go back to that conversation we had in the Big Red Rage right after the draft. Director of Player Personnel, Drew Grigson and Wolf, you were chopping it up with him at one point. You guys were talking about the Cardinals' six-round pick, who's 6'2", 262,
5: Drew Grigson. He's going to be a hard charging ball of muscle for us. He just plays with a relentless motor. Reminded me of Marcus Golden when I watched him. So I'm I'm, I'm excited. About and he's got
0: him. a great last name when you think about it. kg It just it's oh, going to sound really absolutely. good and look good on the back of a
5: jersey. Tough to figure out. You know, when you're first looking at him, you just call him Vic. <laughs> there you go, Drew Grix.
3: So. Let me ask you, uh, Vic, if we can call you that, uh, Marcus Golden. Do you agree with that comp? Now that you've seen Marcus Golden, at least in the mandatory mini, com- mini camps, what do you think about the comp?
4: Oh, uh, Marcus Golden, he's a great player. That's actually one of the guys I've been around um, through our OTAs and mini camps. You know, I've learned a lot from him. Um, he's a great leader, and I actually like knew about him um, when he was coming out of college. Um, I've watched a lot of him, and he's a great player. He plays with a lot of effort. Um, you know, it's a it's a he's a guy that you respect when you put on the tape. You see one hundred percent effort, you see that motor, you see the relentlessness, and um, you know, that's that's a great comparison because honestly, um he's been in the league for a while, he had some good seasons, and um you saw what he did once he um got to, the Cardinals last year. So, you know, um just learning from him, trying to get as much knowledge as I can from him, you know, that would take me a long way.
0: Victor, you were drafted in the sixth round. Did you expect to be drafted in the sixth round?
4: Um, Honestly, like, with the draft, I already knew how that went. You know, you really never know where, when you're going to get drafted. You know, anything can happen. So, I knew I was going to get drafted, like, between four through six, somewhere around there, but mm-hmm. I didn't really try to focus on that. I just tried to just, you know, enjoy the time with my family and whenever my name was called, you know, just embrace the moment. You mentioned Marcus
3: Golden. What about Chandler Jones? Have you had a chance to interact with Chandler? I know he wasn't at the mini camp, but maybe in some of the Zoom meetings or some other meetings around the facility. And, you know, we talked to Zach Allen, Cardinals defensive lineman. In his time at Boston College, he would study tape of J.J. Watt. And now he's sharing a position room and getting text messages from J.J. Watt. So I'm curious, to what degree had you studied uh, Chandler Jones over the last few years just as one of the premier pass rushers in all the land?
4: Well no, that's a guy yeah, I started a lot of Chandler Jones. You know, he's been doing this for years. Um he averages around like ten sacks a year. so I've kept up with him. Um he's one of the best at what he does and um I've actually in- interacted with him on Zoom calls and I met him one time in person. So um just having that guy in the room, you know, that's a guy that's another guy I could learn a lot from, you know. Um, you know, I could pick his brain. Um and I definitely look up to him. You know, he's done a lot in this league and um, you know, I hopefully um hope to get there one day.
0: Victor, do you like playing over a tight end? Do you like that? Do you prefer the open side or do you like playing over a tight end?
4: Um, honestly, I like doing both. Um, I feel like I could do both. I could play the Sam and the Will. Um, I've been learning both. Since I got here, so I feel like whenever you know, whenever my number is called, whenever it's time to go in, wherever the coaches want me to fit in or want me to play, I feel like I'm ready to play.
0: Do you feel like you can hold up at the point of attack on the edge? Do you feel like you can set that edge, Victor?
4: Um, actually, I feel like that's one of the things I do really well. Um, I feel like I'm I'm violent at the point of attack, and um, you know, I'm very you know, I have a motor. I know how to set the edge. Um, you know, it's all about getting the ball and having great hand placement. And I feel like I do a really good job with that.
3: We're on board with Victor DiMuchegi, the Cardinals' sixth-round pick, and, and a guy that Charlie Boland, the outside linebackers coach, uh, he really had a big affinity for you. Drew Grigson mentioned that as well. Tell us about how you two connected, and, and did you get a sense in the evaluation process that, you know what, if I'm going to go anywhere, the Cardinals might be one of those teams just based on Charlie Boland and how bullish he was on you?
4: Um. Yeah, the Cardinals was actually one of the first teams I actually met with, like um, uh, most of the coaching staff. Um, I think this was around January, and then I really didn't like keep in contact, or we didn't really talk as much until pro day. Um, so when Coach Bullen um showed up to pro day, we had a in the day after pro day, and like I didn't really know that you know I was un- I was on their radar, so I really didn't know a lot about Arizona. Um, and then just when I got the call, I was ecstatic because. You know, I didn't I didn't really know that Arizona like Arizona was actually looking at me. I didn't know what to expect. So once I saw that Phoenix number on my phone, you know, I was so excited. Um because I know Coach Burn is a great coach. You know, just the um Zoom calls I had with him and just the interactions I had with him at Pro Day, you know, I, I was excited to, you know, just play for a coach like that.
0: Victor, where do you think you can actually contribute? Where can you play on special teams?
4: Um I feel like I could play all four, you know. Um, as a rookie, you want to um come in and make an impact, however possible, on the defensive side of the ball, or you know punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. I feel like I, I have to, I have to you know put in some work and um get out any special teams possible, how, and I feel like I could help the team in all four.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, Victor. How how much did you play in transition on special teams at Duke?
4: Um, I played kickoff. I played a lot of kickoff. Um, and kickoff return, and then um, my senior year, I played more like punt and punt return, more like punt, more punt return, like blocking and rushing the punter. Um, you know, that was more of my role my so senior you... year. But early in my career, I played more of like the kickoff, kickoff return side.
0: Yeah, you totally have experience playing on special teams. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's good, man. That's going to help you big time, bro. How
3: about JJ Watt? Sure. Give us some first impressions. What you see in your takeaways from number ninety nine
5: oh yeah
4: he's he's different, you know you see um you see how he works, you see how he's different when he walks in the building you know he's a well he's a well respected guy, you know he puts in the extra work um in the training room, you know um in the weight room. He just he's he's a pro. He um he's the definition of a pro. He does everything the right way. And um, you know, I actually got some extra work with him after one of the um mini camp days. You know, I was just able to learn, pick his brain and learn some stuff from him, just doing different drills. And um just seeing like what he does to like or like what he did to like get him to the position he's at today. And um, you know, just being around him, you know, makes me better. And, you know, that's another guy on this team that, you know, I have to get to know and, like, be around because I hopefully um, want to be as good as them one day.
3: And, and, you know, he wears 99, obviously. You wear 92. For Wolf mm-hmm. and myself on this show, for five years our player host was Bertrand Barry, who wore number 92 yep. at a Pro Bowl season 2004, 14 and a half sacks, and he's now one of our Cardinals broadcasters. He was on the Red Sea Report and Victor, he was asked about you wearing number 92, Bertram Berry, B train.
1: If you're going to wear that number, you better be able to get after quarterbacks because I don't want people riding the pine with the number 92. That, that number is not to be on the sidelines soaking up Gatorade and all that kind of stuff. It's meant to be out there on the field getting after quarterbacks and making big plays. It's associated with greatness and handsomeness. So if you're going to wear that number, you better be good at what you do, and you better be a good-looking
3: stud. So, so so there you go. There's your. If you're wondering what your goals are this this year, your rookie season. Okay, you got to play good, and you got to look good, according to Bertrand Barry.
4: I feel like I got the good looks
3: already. I just good now. <laughs> that's good. See, you're you're already halfway there. You know, you, you, you got that self confidence that you know you looked the part, like just like B Train always knew he looked the part, right? It was it was the clean or fresh look, right? Wolf, that's always yeah, used to say, no, right? There's yeah. no
0: doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, so, Victor, have they told you how they plan on using you, Vance Joseph? I mean, is it just going to be edge, edge, edge all the time?
4: Um, honestly, um, you know, I really. I really, I'm not really sure right now. Like once I got here, we just started learning plays, um, learning both the Sam and the Will positions, um, learning stuff on special teams. So like right now, they just want me to learn the playbook, and then um, after the training camp, we'll see from there. Are you still
3: in Phoenix, by the way? Or are you still in Arizona?
4: Yes, I'm actually in Chandler right now. Yes.
3: Nice. So what'd you think of 118 degrees today? How you handling the big heat?
4: Oh hey, this is this way different. You know, I have to drink more water. I'm I'm trying to get used to it. I, I haven't been around anything like this before. But, I mean, I lo- it's great weather, though, so I can't complain.
0: Victor, we look forward to meeting you in person, big guy. Thank you for
3: joining us. Really appreciate it.
4: Thanks, Victor. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys having
3: me. All right, there you go. Boy, there Vic- it is, Paulie. Man, I, I, you know, something tells me, Just a a first reaction, first takeaway. Uh, Yeah, it's a complex defense, but uh, considering his academic credentials in that conversation, I'm guessing he's picking up the defense pretty quickly. He's all And if he's able to play special teams, guess what? He will see the field. There's no doubt about it. We continue with a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.
2: rolling left in trouble slips a tackle gotta launch it he does left side into the end zone jump ball and it is is it caught is it caught oh my goodness it's caught DeAndre Hopkins caught it he caught it for a touchdown with one second left I can't believe it you've got to be joking me Cardinals lead it 32 to 30 with a second lap. You can't cover Duke. You're not going to be able to cover him. Throw the ball up.
3: Multiple headlines screamed. Play of the NFL season. The play of the NFL season. And guess what? You can speak and vote that into existence when you vote the Hale Murray for best play of the 2021 ESPYs. ESPN.com slash ESPYs to cast your vote. The game-winning 43-yard touchdown with two seconds to play against three buffalo defenders up goes the football down comes deandre hopkins that's how it sounded wolf and dave Pash on the cardinals radio network this is the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert and special thanks to victor dimu KG. think about it wolf the biggest moment to start camp is always when they go full contact full pads and here we go o-line against d-line am i wrong yeah Polly. no you're right about that absolutely let and- the fur fly and think about some of the matchups, right? DJ Humphries against Chandler Jones. J.J. Watt against... Uh, Justin Pugh or Brian Winters. a lecky Foto <laughs> against Rodney Hudson making Hello. his debut. You got a Victor Dimukeji, Marcus Golden going against Kelvin Beecham. Think of some of the heavyweight battles and the matchups you're going to get when they finally put on the pads.
0: This is one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, Paulie, obviously uh, a training camp. Wouldn't that be nice, Paul? <laughs> a yes. training camp where we can yep. actually watch these guys go out and ball out, right? We actually can walk around and watch some practice once again in – just absorb the physicality of training camp and Victor Dimukeji is a guy that I'm very, very interested in. I loved our conversation with him. But Polly, here's a guy who's six two. He's really not six two. He's just under six two, Polly. Okay? But you're six two and you're two sixty five yeah, a ball of muscle, <laughs> indeed.
3: I mean, Wolf, when you asked him if he can set the edge, I mean, I wanted to blurt out, he's 6'2", 265. Yeah, I mean, Paulie, that's a rhetorical a no, question, no, no, Wolf. Of no, course no, he can no. set the
2: edge. See,
0: this is exactly why you're on the sideline, Paul, <laughs> and you're not in the booth, all right? Because, listen, Paulie, just because you're 6'2", 265, you could have a heart of butter. You, I mean, Seriously. There's a, just because you're a big guy, I can't tell you how many big guys I've seen out on the field soft as butter. And by the way, oh my goodness, when you ran into one of those guys, you tormented him the entire game. Well, look. This Cardinals- guy is not soft as butter. That's my point.
3: Yeah. The Cardinals have upgraded, I think we would agree, in the trenches. And that was definitely an area of improvement that Steve Kime targeted, whether it's a Rodney Hudson or a J.J. Watt, et cetera. but. The question we debated recently was, uh, which position group is poised for the biggest improvement from last year to this season? And you know what I threw out there, Wolf? What'd you throw out, Paulie? Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Because unless your name was DeAndre Hopkins, when it came to yards after catch, your first name was Jack and your last name was Squat. (laughs) They got a lot of nothing. Out of anybody not named DeAndre Hopkins, and so now if you're putting AJ Green out there and he's outside, and that sends Christian Kirk back inside, and 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 now and Rondell Kirk, Moore is being added, right? So you have all these guys, and a number of these guys are improved deals the last year of their contracts. I just think you're poised to get a lot more production out of that receiver room agree or disagree no
0: Polly. i listen I, I think you're right on that i do i would say cornerback i'm looking at cornerback and i'm looking at wide receiver i think you're right on the wide receiver thing if in fact you're talking about an upgrade but a lot of that is because i still believe christian kirk something happened to christian kirk last year we've talked about it all offseason Polly. but something happened to him if you go back and you look at the first eight games of 2020 go back and look at it paul it was completely different than the last eight games and i want to know why that is
3: he had a six game stretch where cumulative total he had 145 yards receiving Yes, he just he disappeared disappeared paulie
0: exactly right i expect bounce back
3: What do we expect out of A.J. Green? I think that's one of the big questions. Uh, There was a national football guy who stole my take that A.J. Green is poised to become the NFL comeback player of the year, which, of course, (laughs) I stole from former Cardinal and his former Bengals teammate, Frosty Rucker. In fact, let's go back to the big red rage earlier this offseason. Here's Frosty on A.J. Green.
4: Well, I think AJ Green has a lot left. I think his time was just up in Cincinnati playing on turf, practicing on turf and, you know, sub-zero temperatures and December and things like that. I think, uh, it was his time to break loose of that. He's pro bowl player, top of the game, a guy that can really go up and get the ball, great teammate, never hear anything bad about him. Uh, the receiver group is just getting stronger. And if AJ gets enough footballs this year, he may just be comeback player of the year.
0: Your reaction? Well, you know what, Paulie. Honestly, uh, AJ Green. I think a change of scenery is going to do him so much good. I really do. A change of here's a guy, Paul. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler, Paul. (laughs) Would you say that is the consummate (laughs) professional right there?
3: Do you think he was sick and tired of practicing outside? They Uh, don't have an indoor practice bubble in Cincinnati. Yeah. So they practice on the turf in the sub-zero temperatures for like two months of the year.
0: Right, Paulie. And and again, yeah, I, I think that will be. It'll be nice for him coming out here and, and actually playing in a little bit of heat maybe and, and actually doing it on natural grass, practicing, on uh, absolutely all of that. But I think more than anything, just a change of scenery is going to up the intensity level. It's going to reintroduce the game, so to speak, to him. Because here's a guy that has just been the consummate pro. He's been a seven-time pro bowler once again. A guy that I think is a future Hall of Famer, and now all of a sudden he's he's got, everything's going to be new to him, Paul. Everything is going to be new. The entire day is going to be different for him, and that yeah. can really hit the well, refresh button for a lot of veterans.
3: Plus, think about it, he... he- he had the lowest percentage of catchable passes thrown his way last year from three different (laughs) Bengals quarterbacks. So he's going to have the accuracy of Kyler Murray. He's also going to be two years removed from the foot injury. And maybe most importantly, he's not going to be the number one focus of secondaries because DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the guy drawing the double team. To what degree does that free up an A.J. Green? And then if you add a Rondell Moore as a guy who's really wreaking havoc, in fact, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about his second-round rookie. He did a lot of it in
1: college. Uh, you can look at the film, and, and uh, I thought Coach Brown there Purdue did a tremendous job getting him on the ball in all sorts of different creative ways, and, and that was certainly one of them. But he, he's very good in the open field, making the first guy miss. He has a knack at you know some of those plays. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to be fun to try and draw stuff up for and, and see how many times we can get it to him.
3: And the specific question, Wolf, was on him being a threat with jet motion. Some of the jet sweeps and, and really being that eye candy to distract yeah.
0: defenses. Yeah, and that is going to distract defenses. There's no doubt about that. Look, everybody, it's 5-7. Here it comes. It's 5-7. Oh, by the way, four two nine is what this guy can run. And, yeah, there's no doubt. I think that's going to have an impact on this offense in 2021, but Paulie, more than anything, it's not the horizontal to me. And I've talked to you about this. It, it is the vertical to me. If you tell me that Rondell Moore can run by people and attack a defense downfield vertically, then that's going to open everything else up horizontally. I, that is, to me, going to be the key to Rondell Moore and his success attack
3: vertically. I agree. But if you can get the ball to him in space. Yes. His rep is that he's going to make you miss. Yeah, there's a stat out there that nobody made the first tackler miss more in college football in the past decade than Rondell Moore in 2018 when he had his only full healthy season at Purdue. And by the way, right. was a consensus All-American as a true freshman.
0: Right, but if he's going to run by you, that's going to make you as a DB back up. Sure. And when you back up, now the horizontal stuff comes into
3: play. Right, we continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan
2: Ford. Passed over the middle, caught by Sims at the 45 and dumped immediately by Murphy. Job right there, Byron Murphy in man
0: cover. Byron Murphy really
2: growing. Throws it, end zone near side, broken up by Murphy, was there against Taylor.
0: Byron Murphy one-on-one in the back of the end zone made a play on the
2: ball here it is fourth and five for the niners on the 16 of the cardinals garoppolo to pass throws to the right side incomplete murphy steps in front of the receiver and knocks the ball down the cardinals take over on downs with 33 seconds to go byron murphy makes a play on the pig all oh, that is big
0: time what a play by byron murphy
3: it's number seven now by the way, Wolf. When you watch Byron Murphy out of the field, you got to tell yourself, okay, Buddha's number three, Isaiah Simmons is number nine, there's James Connery's number six, uh, Chase Edmonds' number two, call him Deuce, he likes that. So there you go, <laughs> number seven, Byron Murphy.
0: Yeah, Paulie, that is going to be really, really different, man. Uh, We're definitely going to need a roster when we (laughs) walk around training camp.
3: That's right. Uh, Better have a spotting board uh, ready to go for the preseason games uh, just for the Cardinals' own players, the way they've changed numbers. It is a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And a Cardinals secondary, that's intriguing. I mean, there's the potential of what could be. There's also a lot of unknowns. I'll make one definitive statement. Are you ready for this, Ron Wolfley? Not really, but go ahead. Byron Murphy, I think we would agree, and we agree on very little in life and football, but Indeed. Byron Murphy will hit you, will he not?
0: Yes, he will. He's okay. not afraid to tackle, and he's very good at it.
3: Malcolm Butler had over 100 tackles last year for Tennessee. Alpha, alpha ball. Yeah, I mean, you talk to guys about Malcolm Butler, like, oh, he'll fight you now. Yeah, okay. Right. And then uh, Robert Alford, would you say he's a physical corner?
0: <laughs> Might be the biggest dog on the team. Okay, just saying. Yeah. Okay. Just saying nobody's going to believe yeah. me. Oh, he hasn't played Wolf in two years, right? Hey, listen. You watch Robert Alford in training camp, and you tell me who's a dog.
3: So here's what I'm saying. The Cardinals have the hardest-hitting group of cornerbacks in the NFL. I see where you're going with The that. nastiest, most physical group of cornerbacks in the NFL. My question to you is... How much does that get you? Is that in a corner get you a cup of coffee? I mean, how, how valuable, how imperative is it to have corners who can hit and tackle and willing yeah. run force, etc.?
0: Well, when you've got guys like Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, Paul, you know what? Honestly, I love that because you can take those corners. You can walk up and you play press man. You can jam, play press man try to try to jump these wide receivers right from the line of scrimmage, and then hope that your your defensive line and your your box players of course will be able to get home and get that pressure on a quarterback if you can jam a receiver and not allow him to get off the line quickly and get a clean release now all of a sudden, Polly, that pass rush becomes that much more effective.
3: As I tell you, you watch the corners, Malcolm Butler, obviously he's proven. Robert Alford, Buddha Baker said, and this is a loose quote, he said that Robert Alford's been out here locking stuff up. And so, I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, Paul, so that a
0: surprise to you, though? No, I mean, no, not again, at all. We've no. seen him, man, if he can only stay healthy. And I know yeah. everyone's tired of hearing that, but it's
3: the truth. And it's not like he's coming off some horrendous knee injury like a Tyron Matthew. He had a torn pec. Yes. And the year before that, he had a, he had a fractured leg. So, I mean, these are, these are injuries you can easily come back from, and it won't impact your game, theoretically. Now he's a little bit older, obviously, and hasn't played a full season since 2017. So you have that. You have Malcolm Butler. But those aren't the guys that Vance Joseph started with when he was asked about his cornerback room.
4: I think it starts with Murphy. You know, I mean, he's been the mainstay for three years, but he's played a lot of snaps, and you can see his growth. He's so much more comfortable. He's grown into his body. He's working. He knows the system. Um, he can be a special player for us, and he can be one of our better players on defense.
0: Matt, when I heard Vance Joseph say that ball, I got to tell you, I was jacked up. I was, I mean, honestly, uh, Byron Murphy is where he started. Uh, I You got a couple of dogs in Malcolm Butler and and Robert Alford, guys that once again, yeah, I, I know they're a little long in the tooth. I understand that Malcolm Butler last year didn't have the kind of Malcolm Butler year until maybe the last six games of the season. But still, uh, Malcolm Butler, when you take his body of work, when you take Robert Alford's body of work before the last two years, I mean, these guys are good Starting corners in the National Football League, and he starts with Byron
3: Murphy. Yeah. So once again, it's just you don't know exactly what you're going to get in that corner room. The potential is there, but there's a big question mark on Robert Alfred, Malcolm Butler. Which guy is he based on last year? You're right; it was an inconsistent season for him. If, if you talk to folks, you know Byron Murphy. If he's ready to take that that next step, what does that mean? And then you watch the two rookies, and I tell you, just the visual of uh, a nearly six-foot-one Marco Wilson with all that athleticism who's yeah. able to play inside and outside and Vance Joseph raves about a guy who started from day one as a true freshman at Florida and he's gone against SEC receivers for four years and he knows all these different schemes and then Tay Gowan who's over six one as a corner just the size and the right. athleticism if you hit on one of those two rookie corners, then you know what? Uh, that's no longer an area of concern. Your secondary.
0: Yeah, no, you're right, Paulie. It's the rookies overall that I find fascinating as well. Obviously, Zayvon Collins is going to play, and hold on to your butts. That's all I'm going to say right now, and that's not an attack on Zayvon Collins at all. It's just an acknowledgement of how difficult it is to come in from the college level into the National Football League and master a defense, master defensive schemes, and master calling defenses, and going out and playing when you're a Mike linebacker. It's a difficult proposition. Having said that, once again, it's going to be fascinating to watch Zayvon Collins. Rondell Moore is going to play a lot, I would imagine. Marco Wilson, to your point, and maybe Tay Gowan. Ah, I think Victor DiMuchegi, the guy yep. that we talked to tonight. It's going to be interesting to see where he falls on this team and if in fact he can make the 53 man roster Bully, and if he does he's going to have to play special teams
3: all right so as we wrap up this edition of the big red rage wolf i know you count on me to bring you two areas you need uh one a prop bet and two a power pole i'm out of here paul prop bet <laughs> right now the most popular bet for 2021 nfl mvp is baker mayfield okay. the most the highest percentage of cash being put on a single player to win NFL MVP is being wagered on Baker Mayfield. Okay. And then you had from next gen stats which NFL offensive line was the best and the worst at limiting pressure in 2020? Number one in the NFL at limiting pressure, preventing hurries, the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> How about that?
0: Oh, we all know the Cardinals offensive line, they can't
3: play. Special thanks, Jim Omahundra on vacation, Jeff Darge, Cody Fincher for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. Also, thanks to Victor Dimukeji. This has been the Big Red Rage.
5: Number one, Tyler Murray!
1: You've been listening to the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. <laughs> Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an
4: exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.